I appreciate Jim and our worship team. Man, this morning, whew, man, those were some awesome songs. And, and they just go along with what we're talking about. We've been talking about several weeks. We've been talking about standing firm. We've been talking about spiritual warfare. But for the last few weeks, we've, we've been learning who we are. And especially last week and this week, we're going to learn who God says we are. Now, the ability to see yourself as God sees you is essential if, you're going to, if you want to stand firm, if you want to be victorious. You have to see yourself through the same eyes that God sees you. You see, our ability to be successful in spiritual warfare, to be successful in the Christian life, is not rooted in what other people say about us, and it's not rooted in us. You do understand. It's not, it doesn't matter what anybody said you are. It matters who God says you are. It doesn't matter even what you say you are, who you see yourself to be. It matters what God sees and who he sees. And I can just tell you, it matters because of what Jesus did when he died for us. You see, God sees us differently than the world sees us. God sees us differently than our parents see us. God sees us differently than we see each other or than we personally see ourselves. God sees us different. And so our ability rests in who God sees. So it's vital that that we learn to see ourselves through God's eyes, not through our own eyes. Now that's tough, isn't it? Let's let's be honest, okay? That's that's really tough. That's really tough. Last week, I kind of likened what I'm talking about to the information that a soldier has on his dog tags. Every soldier will have his his name, his social security number. Uh, he will have uh, his religious preference. Many of them will have their blood type on it. And depending on what service or branch of service you're in, there'll be some more information. But that's information. That's who that soldier is. The name is the name his parents gave him. The social security number is, is how he's known in our country uh, in, the, in the vast millions of people that live in this country. Uh, it's who that soldier is. And spiritually speaking, we have dog tags. I mean, I'm going to call them God tags, but we have dog tags. That's, That's what Jesus did for us. And literally, I can't necessarily reach up here and take hold of them, but spiritually I can Last week, I, want to, I just want to recap some of the things I said. Last week, we looked at Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. God says that we're saints. We're holy ones who have been set apart for him. We are not sinners saved by grace. Okay, The Bible never calls believers sinners saved by grace. I grew up with that phrase. I understand what that phrase means, but I also understand that it can be used as a tool to keep us confined in a place where God no longer sees us. You see, sinners, the word sinner is used in Scripture every time of someone who has no relationship with God. We're not sinners, folks. Paul says we're saints. We're holy ones. But it also says that, that we have received an infinite amount of grace, God's unmerited favor, and an infinite amount of peace, that, that spiritual prosperity or that wholeness that God gives, the shalom. That's the Old Testament word. We also have a a father in heaven, a model father, who's not like our earthly fathers. And he has blessed us, folks, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. Now, I'm going to keep using this verse. I said this last week, and I probably said, I'm going to keep using this verse until somebody gets it, okay? 
God has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. Not only that, but God personally chose us. He picked us out, handpicked. Now that may go against your theology, then you need to read Scripture, okay? Now what I'm not, so I'm not Calvinist, I'm not Arminian, it's not had anything to do with that argument. It's what does God say? And it says that, that he chose us in him. In who? In Christ, before the foundation of the world. And why did he choose us? He chose us to be holy and blameless. In other words, he chose us to be the spitting image of his son, Jesus Christ. That, that's, that's literally what it means. And these blessings, or these endowments, as Paul calls them, are stamped on our, on our, on our dog tags, on our God tags. You know what? Nobody can take those away from you. And we talked about that last week. We're going to continue that a little bit more. We're going to take a step even deeper. And I, I can warn you ahead of time, there's some words in here that people get all freaked out about, okay? I've been accused of, of being a Presbyterian. I'm not, okay? I'm not. It, it's just Bible. It's just Bible. Look at, at verse 5 and 6. And, and we're going to look at, it, we're going to look at about four other things that God does. I, I, I could probably preach for months and months on these passages, but I'm just going to hit them very quickly, okay? Now, if you look at, at verse 4, it ends with two words. I don't know if it does in your translation. What, what's Okay. Yes, it, it does in the New American Standard Version, which I'm using. It says he predestined us. But if you look back in verse 4, it says, in love. It's the beginning of a sentence there, in love. Now that in love points back to verse 4. He chose us in love. But it also says that in love he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved, in Christ. And that phrase, in love, points back to his choosing us. Is picking us out, or if you want to use a term that's that's bantered back and forth, his election of us. Okay, that's all. When when we elect someone, what do we do? We choose them. That's all it means. That's all it means. It's, it's, we choose. God chose us, but it also points us forward to the next blessing, the next blessing, the next thing that we can find on our on our God tags, and, and they're connected. He did these two things because of his great love. It's not based on what we do or what we will do or what we have done. It's based all on God. It's a sovereign act of God. Look at verse 5. It says, God predestined us to adoptions as sons through Jesus Christ to himself. That word predestined has taken on a whole world, a whole life of its own on the internet. It's not just on the internet. When I was in, in Bible college and seminary, that's the thing that everybody wanted to discuss and they wanted to argue. All the miniature theologians wanted to gather and, and argue with each other at the table about what does predestination mean and what does election mean and what did God mean. Okay, I'm going to show you what Paul's talking about. Okay, this is not what Calvin said. This is not what Arminius said or any of their disciples Okay, this is what Paul says. And I believe, based on what Scripture teaches, this is what the Holy Spirit says because I believe the words that Paul wrote are the words of the Holy Spirit. I believe this is the inerrant, 
inspired, God-breathed word, okay? And so we need to understand what these words mean, not what other people say they mean. Amen? Okay, this ought, I mean, by the time I get through this little section, y'all ought to be dancing, okay? Not just me. I'm about to get all, I'm about to get excited already up here and take off. But many people want this to mean something that doesn't mean. Literally, the word predestined that Paul uses here means that God marked out a boundary beforehand. You say, what do you mean? It's that, that God marked out a boundary around us where he wants to take us from and to. Okay? It, it, it means he foreordained. There's, there's one of those big theological words. In other words, he ordained before anything ever took place. Literally, the word predestined, two words, pre and destined. Your destiny. God predestined us for something. Now, a lot of people want that to mean that God's already determined what's going to happen to you. Every detail. That you're nothing more than a little puppet on a string. A marionette. Uh, we, we, Kathy and I, uh, we, we went to Europe several years ago, and we bought some marionettes. And we hand-carried them all the way back, okay? Because one of these days, we're going to get our granddaughter, and we're going to play with them, okay? We've we, we got a little puppet stage. But it's pretty cool, <laughs> okay? You wiggle this string, your little arm goes up. Well, you know what? A lot of Christians think that's what God does. That when God does this, their little arm goes up. And their little arm goes here, or they sit down and stand, or they dance around. Folks, that's not what this text is saying. This, this is not what God's doing. It, it, it's the, it, we're not puppets on a string. Our every move has not been determined, and we're not living out a script that somebody else wrote for us. God is sovereign. I want you to hear me say that. Okay, God has a plan and a purpose that will come forth, all right? But God has also created man and woman with a will. And those men and women have responsibilities to make the right decisions in response to what God says, okay? That's how you get love. God loved us enough that he gave us a will. And we love by responding to God, all right? Does that make sense? Everybody still with me? Okay. So what did God predestine? That, that's the question, not that God predestined, it's what. That's the question that jumps up in my mind. Okay, what did God predestine? Well, this text says it. He predestined us to adoption. Now, do, does, do any of y'all see anything else in that verse? Okay. He didn't predestine every event that's going to happen. Well, I guess this is happening because God willed it. I mean, I've got, if i got a dollar for every time I've heard Christians say that, I'd be a rich man. Folks, everything is not the will of God. I'm going to say that again. Everything that happens to you is not the will of God. Okay? The Bible doesn't teach that. So what is he predestined? What has he marked out a boundary around us for? So that we could be adopted as sons so that we could be adopted as daughters, so that we could become children of God. God chose us, okay? He chose us. And then he marked out a boundary around us so that we would not just be chosen to be on his team. Okay, now, if that were all that he had done, that would be pretty good, amen? 
I'm on God's team. But God didn't just choose us to be on his team. God chose us to be his children. Okay? Now, unless you have ever adopted a child or you are a child who's been adopted, you're not going to get this as deeply as those of us that, that have been a part of that. Okay? God picked us. God picked us. And when he picked us, he saw us as becoming mature adult children. Okay, that, that was his, that's what he predestined us to be, mature adult children in Christ. Folks, he foreordained it, Scripture says. In the ancient world, very often a king or an emperor, very often this happened with, with uh, Roman emperors, their children were, let me use the Greek word, Idiots, okay? They, they were. They were they, some of them were, I mean, you just look at some of the Roman Empire, I mean, Roman emperors that succeeded their fathers. They, they, were, they had grown up in opulence. They had grown up in, 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 in depravity, and they were just, they were useless as leaders. Well, very often, a wise emperor or a wise king, he would assess his kids, and he would say, you know what, if the kingdom goes with this child, we're doomed. You know, the kings of Israel would have done a good job, or the kings of Judah would have done a good job doing this. But what happened is, is that king then would begin to travel the land. And he would look for a young man that had qualities that would be in which he could train and educate him. And when he found one, he would adopt him. He would take him into his family. He would give that child his name. He would give that child the benefit of an education. He would become just like his other sons, his natural-born sons and daughters. He would become a child. And the, the neat thing about this is, is that a king or an emperor could never, he could never get rid of that child. He could disown his own children, but an adopted child could never be disowned. Now, God didn't look at us and see that we would be great leaders, that we be wonderful children. God chose us and saw what he could do in us, and he adopted us. Folks, when, when you rub that God tag around your neck, it says son or daughter. And just like those ancient kings, uh, the, the laws of heaven are that God can never disown you. You say, but, but you don't know what I've done. Mm, I don't. You don't know what I'm capable of. I don't. But you know what? God's not going to disown you. God's not going to toss you back. God's never going to disinherit you. Folks, that's the destiny that God has marked out for you. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter who your people are or what they've accomplished. It doesn't matter what you've done right or wrong. God chose you. If you're a believer this morning, if you know Jesus Christ, God chose you. He handpicked you. And then he destined, he predestined you to be adopted. He didn't just pick you and let you stay in the holding group over here. He doesn't have just special kids over here. He, all the kids he chose, he wants to become mature adults. Folks, he saw us in eternity past as that. Not based on what we do, not based on what we wouldn't do, but based on what Jesus did. Finished work. What he did on the cross. Why? Now, I want you all to listen to me real close this morning. Okay, I, I don't want you to miss this. 
because I think we've forgotten this. But there's a why he did this. It's out of his great love. Okay? It's, it's to demonstrate the kindness of his will and, and so that the, the amazing grace that he's poured out could be worshipped and be understood. You see, God didn't have to choose anybody. Not one of us. God didn't have to choose anyone. He knew when he created Adam. Or let me say this. He knew before he created Adam. And before he created Eve, he knew exactly what they would do. Well, then what did God create them? I've heard that about as many times as I've heard of them. Well, God, won't God create them? Well, if God hadn't created them, guess what? You wouldn't be here to ask that question. Okay? You say, well, we'd be better off. Well, you wouldn't be better off, I don't think. You wouldn't exist. Some Bible, some of this stuff's just common sense. I mean, it's just thinking. We've forgotten how to think. We want to blame God for everything, take no responsibility for anything. But, okay, that's another sermon. Okay, that's another, that's a word right there. You're right. God knew this couple was going to make choices. He knew they were going to make the wrong choices. And as such, He knew we were going to make wrong choices. We were going to continue doing what they did, right? He knew that even if, he, if, if, if they did that, he knew that. He knew they were going to do that. And yet he still created them, and he gave them the gift of the will, the ability to choose. You know what he did? He provided everything they needed. Adam and Eve lacked nothing. He gave them that free will. And the reason is because in his unconditional love, he loved them as much as he could love them. But they had to respond to him. And to do that, there has to be a test. You have to, you have to choose. Or you're a robot. I hear people say all the time, well, God, if you believe in that, you believe in that predestination stuff and that choosing stuff, look, I didn't make those words up. That, that's what the text says. If you believe in that stuff, you, you, you know, it's, 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 you just, it's just God, you know, God's, it's, it's everything, God, 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 God. It's, look, God did those things because he loved us unconditionally. And for us to experience that unconditional love, you have to make a choice. It hasn't changed. It, it's still that way. And folks, God warned them. He said, look, you can, you can eat of every other tree in the garden. Just don't eat of this one. Because in the day you eat of it, you will die. And what did they do? They tricky trotted over there just like every other little boy and girl does when you tell them they can't do something. And they tried the tree. And what happened? They died. They chose wrong. God gave them the choice and they chose. Now, God didn't have to do anything else at that point. Okay? He didn't have to send Jesus. He didn't have to do anything. He could have said, they blew it, turned his back. And you know what? He would have still been loving. He would have still been a God of mercy. He would have still been a God of justice. He could have allowed them to die and go to hell. And he could have allowed generation after generation after generation after generation to do that. But you know what? He didn't do that. He didn't do that. 
He didn't wait till after the fact, folks. Go back in eternity past for any of this created. God, it says God chose and he predestined us to be his children. Do, do, y'all, do y'all get to, I mean, somebody ought to be excited about this. I mean, I'm about to get happy up here, okay? In spite of what we did and in spite of what we were going to do, he picked me. He picked the biggest failure out of the whole bunch. The kid who can't even walk and chew gum at the same time. He picked me to be his son. And not just, you know, not, not just some thumb-sucking complainer. He picked me to be mature. Mature, uh, perfect, is, in, in Scripture means mature. To be a fully grown son. You know what a fully grown son looks like? There's a word. Jesus. I'm going to look like Jesus. In fact, when God looks at me right now, He sees Jesus. Y'all getting this? Yeah, your feet getting a little jumpy? You ready to take a spin around that ballroom with God? Because this is good stuff, but it gets better, okay? I want you to listen to, listen to what God says in Romans chapter 8, verse 14. It says, For all are being led by the Spirit. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you didn't receive a spirit of slavery leading to fear. In other words, God didn't, God didn't buy us out of slavery to put us back in slavery. Now, that's where a lot of Christians are. They've, they've exchanged one slavery for what they think is another slavery. But, it, but you, didn't, you didn't receive that spirit of slavery leading to fear again. See, what Paul's saying there is if you're afraid right now that you're going to mess up, you had not experienced what God's really given you. That's a word for somebody in this room this morning. If you're fearful that God's going to smash you or squash you because you've messed up, you don't understand what He's given you. But you, I love this little word, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cried, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness to our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, heirs, also listen to this, okay? Because I'm fixing to, in a few minutes, I'm going to come back to this passage right here. We're heirs also. Heirs of God. What What is an heir? Someone who inherits what a person has accumulated, okay? usually takes place at death. God cannot die, okay? God cannot die. And he owns everything, all right? He's not accumulating. He already owns it, all right? So we are heirs of God. Now, now listen to this. And we are fellow heirs with Jesus. We're heirs of God, little preposition, of. But we are fellow heirs with Jesus. What's a fellow heir? Some of your Bibles may say joint heir. You know what a joint heir, a fellow heir is? It's equal partners. Whatever God has given Jesus, God has given us. You say, where do you find that? Right in the middle of Scripture right there. That's what Scripture says. Best place in the world gets your theology. Okay? I'm getting happy here. Okay. Okay. So we're 
heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him in order that we may be glorified with him. Listen to what Galatians 4, verse 4 through 7 says, But when the fullness of time came, God sent his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order that he might redeem those who were under the law. Who were they? That would be us. That we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth his Spirit into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then you are an heir through God. You are an heir, literally, through the gracious act of God. Amen. Amen. Amen, preacher. Amen. Glory, hallelujah. Folks, that's why he predestined us. That's why he chose us. So that we could be... He didn't have to. You see, we all get wigged out over the fact that he chose somebody. Listen, here's what wigs me out. He didn't have to, and he chose me. I mean, I've been on teams where they had to choose you, okay? And they let you know that they had to choose you every chance they got. God didn't have to choose any of us. None of us. And yet he did. God picked you. He chose you. He predestined you to be his daughter, to be his son. Now, we're chosen and we're predestined, just as I said, so that we could be God's sons and daughters. Folks, we were slaves of sin without any hope. Now we're heirs of salvation. We're the sons and the daughters of God. We're somebody in Christ. Do you realize that? I'm tired of hearing Christians. Man, Jesus says, lift up your head, your redemption draweth nigh. Stand up straight. Throw your chest out. Suck your stomach in. Take a stand and stand firm. You're you're not just going to get into heaven by the seat of your pants, okay? When you get there, the glory band is going to be playing, okay? You remember, this isn't even in my notes, okay? So I'm going to have to pick up the pace here, but I'm going to share it. You remember the story of the so-called prodigal son folks that's us that's us the father saw him ran to meet him gave him everything the shoes the the the, the ring the robe the fatted calf folks one of these days the father is going to say well done good and faithful servant. well done my beloved enter into the joy of your father into the joy of your master see I don't know about the dog over here. If you hear him, just he's having a hard time. But but God has picked us. I knew I shouldn't have said that, but I'm sorry. Now, that's the first thing. God has predestined us to be sons and daughters. Second thing that we want to look at today is found in verse 7 through 10. The second thing is as a son or a daughter of God, we can enjoy perfect peace of mind when it comes to the penalty of sin. Let me read this. It says, In Him, in who? In Christ. In Christ we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace which He lavished upon us. 
according to the riches of His grace which He lavished upon us. In all wisdom and insight, He made it known to us the mystery of His will. What was that mystery? That, that we as Gentiles could become a part of God's family. That was the mystery, that, that salvation was going to come. And it wasn't going to just be to the Jews, but it was going to be also to the Gentiles. According to His kind intention, which He purposed in Him, in Christ, with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of times. That is the summing up of all things in Christ, things in heaven, things on earth. I want you to concentrate on the first part of this verse. In Him we have redemption through the blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace which He lavished upon us. Folks, that says God redeemed us. What does redemption mean? Well, when I was a kid, my mother collected green stamps. Okay? We just get, we went to places that had green stamps. There were other stamps. I just can't remember them right now. But we'd get home, and she'd save those green stamps. And every so often, she'd get a book, and we'd lick those things, put them in the book. And then we'd take them down, on, down into East Lake. There was a green stamp store there where the old Sears used to be. For those of you that are, I don't know, but you probably ain't going to remember this, okay? It's not, there no, it's not there anymore. And we'd take it down there, and then you could trade your book of green stamps for something that was there. Yeah, I mean, it might be a, a, it might be a, a certain kind of pan or, or a, a lamp or anything. It's a lot like some of the other stuff that we have today, you, coupons and, and different things. And, 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 and we would redeem those stamps. And folks, God redeemed us. So Peter says it wasn't with green stamps. It wasn't with nickels and dimes and coins of silver and gold, but it was with the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ. Folks, Jesus purchased us. I want to say that again. Jesus bought us with His blood, with His life. You have been bought with a price. His life substituted for yours. You see, we, we forget sometimes that God didn't have to do this. And even though God did it, we still deserve to die and pay the penalty for our sins. But God substituted Jesus in our place. We were standing in line for our time on the cross, and God pushed us aside and said, I'm going to put Jesus in your place. You need to think. If you think about this, your life will change. God substituted. He took our place. The death penalty that we deserved, He took Folks, every breath we take, every moment we live, every moment we enjoy or don't enjoy was purchased for us by Jesus Christ. Your life is not your life. Well, I have choices. I can do what I want. Well, if you're a believer, you can't do what you want. I know that's not popular, but you can't do what you want because Jesus paid for you. If you're not a believer, you can keep doing whatever you want. Okay? It's just not beneficial. Jesus paid for your life. He bought it. And when God looks at us, He sees a precious child that was snatched from the smoking jaws of hell. Okay? He sees a son or a daughter that was purchased by, from death by the blood of Jesus Christ. He sees a, a, a slave block with you or I standing on it, naked, in shackles. 
And he sees his hands reaching down and covering us and clothing us with his son, Jesus Christ, and taking us to his breast and hugging him in close. That's what he sees. A person who had no hope now has eternal hope. We have all the blessings of Christ in the heavenlies. God's given us that. If you've ever wondered, and I know many of you do, listen, I'll be the first to admit, I've, I've wondered every once in a while, Nelson, you're not worth very much. Look at what you've accomplished in your life. Look what you got in the bank. Look what you got in your 401, your annuity, and all that stuff. You're not worth very much. You know what? God says differently. God says, I paid for you with the blood of my son. I swapped my son for you. If you want to know how much you are worth this morning, calculate a price. Put a price on Jesus. And that will begin to give you an idea of how much God loves you. Okay? You say, where'd you get that? Right out of the Bible. It says he redeemed us. There's more, though, and it gets better. In Ephesians 1.11, it says, In Him, in Christ, also we have obtained... And if, if that wasn't good enough, that's what Paul's saying. Also, listen, there's more to this. In Christ, also we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined. There's that word again. According to His purpose, who works all things after the counsel of His In other words, we've been given an inheritance. Remember what I told you about adoption? They became equal heirs with all the other sons or daughters. Who's God's other son? Jesus. That wasn't a trick question. Okay? If you'll go back and study Scripture, it calls Jesus the Son of God. But there's one place where God calls Adam the Son of God. Okay? It's in Luke. It's in the genealogy. You can read it for yourself. It goes, and, and Adam begot so-and-so, and, and Adam the Son of God. Okay, it's the only place. Folks, when we were redeemed, we became the adopted sons and daughters of God. Adam died. Adam died. But folks, we're the sons and the daughters of God. And he's chosen to give us an inheritance. Now, some of that inheritance we're going to get in glory. Amen? But a whole lot of it, a lot of it is available right now. Okay? We just have to access it. You know how you access it? Through relationship with Jesus. By growing in that relationship. Everything that God has is ours. We are heirs of God. You remember that? Everything that Jesus has is ours because we are joint heirs with Jesus. We're equal heirs. Whew. You ought to get excited about that. You're not poor. You're not a pauper. You're not just barely getting by. You have the riches of Christ. All the riches of Christ in heavenly places available to you. Paul prays this prayer later in Ephesians because, to be honest with you, it's, I, I can't plumb the depths of the inheritance, okay? I, just, I can't give you that, and I summed up whatever well, we've been talking about it for two or three weeks. I want you to listen to Paul's prayer 
It's found in Ephesians 1, 17, verse 17 and follow. It says, He prays that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him. In other words, we need wisdom and we need revelation of who God is. Okay? He's given us revelation of who God is. And He will give us more if we'll just read this and go after Him. So we need a revelation. We, we need wisdom to, to know what to do with it. But then he says this, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what the hope of His calling is. In other words, so that you'll know what you're supposed to do. And then he says, what are the riches of His glory, of His inheritance in the saints? There it is. So that we'll understand the bounty that God has lavished on us. By the way, that word lavish that I used few minutes ago is a picture of a bucket and someone pouring water in the bucket and they continue to pour and pour and pour. You know what happens? It begins to roll over. begins to spill over. And the, and the blessings begin to run down the sides and onto the ground. That's what the word lavish. God lavished us with His love, folks. What are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints and what the surpassing greatness of His power toward us who believe. The key to discovering the depth of that inheritance, I said just a few minutes ago, I'm going to say it again, and I'm going to move on, is relationship. The deeper you go with God, the more evident that inheritance will be. It's not in the by and by in the sky. Okay, I know as Christians we've sang those songs, and and, and you know what, I'm homesick. Uh, I am. But I also realized that eternal life and abundant life began the moment I came to Christ. It will not begin some moment in the future. It began the moment I came to Christ. And I ought to be enjoying it. I ought to be experiencing it. Now, we'll move away. That's the third one. Here's the final one. And this one really gets me excited, okay? A part of this inheritance, as well as that is that guarantee of that of the of the inheritance is a guarantee that's spelled out for us see god wants god's written his guarantee in this passage as well i like to buy things that are guaranteed i hate this right here sir would you like to buy an extended warranty i hate that everything you buy sir would you like to buy an extended warranty well doesn't it have a warranty well yes sir it does i said well what does that warranty cover well it covers everything but this extended one will carry it for... I got a, ma- a letter in the mail this week. Sir, your GMC product, which you drive, is, is out of warranty. It's a 1999. It's been out of warranty for... It's got 250,000 miles on it. I know that. Okay, God wrote the warranty right here. Gave it to us so that we'll have it. Listen to what he says in verse 13 and 14 of Ephesians. He says, In Him... In Christ, you also, after listening to the message of the truth, here's the process, you heard the message of the truth, the gospel of your salvation. You see, Paul doesn't leave any room for mistakes here. He says, after listening to the message of truth, which truth? What is truth? That's what Pilate said. I hear people all the time say, well, your truth may not be my truth. Folks, truth is truth, and all truth is God's truth. And here's what the truth is. The message is the truth, the gospel of your salvation. Then he says, having also believed. It's not enough just to hear it. 
I have to put my faith into it. I believed it. Listen to what he says. You were sealed with in him, in who? In Christ, with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with, the view, with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. Folks, to those of us who are in Christ, we have been given the Holy Spirit. Obvious, y'all not nearly as excited about this as I am. <laughs> we have the Holy Spirit, folks. God has given Him to us. He is the Spirit of Jesus. He's put Him in us, not just on us, but in us. We have been given the Spirit of God, the very Spirit of the living God. He lives within us. God's taken up residence in the temple of our spirit, folks. Paul said, he asked the Corinthians, he says, Don't you know that you're the temple of God? And that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Don't you know this? Don't you understand that? You know what? Most Christians don't. They know, they can parrot some theology they've heard from the pastor in the pulpit, but they don't know it. They've never experienced it. Verse 13 tells us that we're sealed with the Spirit of promise, with the Holy Spirit of promise. Seals were used in the ancient world very often. They're still used today. If you're a truck driver, you'll know what I'm talking about. If, you're a, if you take medication, Jim's a pharmacist. He understands this. Those bottles are sealed with a protective deal so that you know nobody else has been in the bottle, that you're getting what you're supposed to. And that's exactly what seals were. They were, they were, they were given for two reasons, ownership and to guarantee that the correctness of the contents Whatever the package was, whatever the container was, what was in the chest or the jar, they were sealed with wax. Okay, there was, they, they, would, they would heat up wax and drop it on there. Then they would press the signet ring. And if you received a package or a letter or a chest or some kind of shipment and that seal was not broken, you could be guaranteed they came from who they said they came from and what was in that package was what was in that package. Amen? That's what, that's what being sealed with means. And a person who receives a package with an unbroken seal knows exactly what they're getting. You know what? God knows exactly what he's getting. Now, I'm going to do a, a little demonstration. I pray that it will, ha- it will uh, help you a little bit, and I pray that it works. Okay? Let's just imagine this is the Holy Spirit. Okay? This is a seal right here. Now, I don't know what I'm talking about. We put stuff in the refrigerator. We don't wrap it and. In, 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 in saran wrap and put it in the freezer, do we? Why? Because it'll take on the smell of other stuff, right? It'll start to stink. It'll, it'll not be good. Now, what happens is the Spirit of God comes into us. And the Bible says that, that when that happens, we are sealed. God seals us with the Spirit of God. Therefore, what's inside of me is what's inside of me, the Spirit of God. Okay? Now also, if the Spirit of God in me, I mean the Spirit of God is in me, I'm guaranteed to belong to God, right? So what's inside is inside. That's why we seal it, right? What's inside can't get out. What's outside can't get in. Let that settle for a minute. You belong to Jesus Christ this morning. You are sealed, okay? You, you don't have to be worried and panicked that you're going to mess up and the Spirit of God's going to go away. 
He's not. You didn't seal him. He sealed you. Okay? He sealed you. Nothing can get to you because he has sealed you. Does that make sense? Amen. We're enjoying this, Pastor. You're encouraging us. Golly. Good. Gosh almighty, this is good stuff right here. It's, there's a lot better stuff going on. If I don't know about the preaching, but what I'm trying to communicate is a lot better than the reaction you're getting, you're giving, okay? The Word of God says that when you believe, when you heard, and when you believed, God sealed you, marked you, put His mark on you. That mark guarantees that you are who God says you are. And that mark guarantees that what He has said He's put in you and what He's done for you is what it is. It's guaranteed. That's what this is, a guarantee, folks. Those contents are determined by God. They're not determined by us. If you're sealed this morning, you, it can't be lost, and can't anything be added to it. But now, he's not only a seal of, of guarantee, and I'm going to finish with this. The Bible also says that he is given as a pledge of our inheritance. God's Holy Spirit is also a down payment, a deposit. Any of you ever bought a house and paid earnest money? Same word. The Holy Spirit is earnest money on the house of God. But there's, there's, it means that, that, that you won't be lost, you won't be misplaced, you won't be stolen, that God will collect everything he paid for. Okay? You belong to him. You can rest in him. It's a promise that he's going to redeem all of us. We are spirit, soul, and body. One of these days, if Christ tarries, all of us are going to die. Okay? And our bodies are going to be buried in the ground. But you know what? Jesus is going to redeem even that body. See, he didn't just create this body to go back to the dust. He created this body to, to house the soul and the spirit to live with him in eternity. That's one of God's guarantees. Now, many of people, and I, I like this personal illustration a lot better, many people see the pledge as, as an engagement ring. Now, for the ladies... This may mean a little bit more, but it should mean a good deal for all of us. An engagement ring is a pledge that a man gives to a woman. A man gives to a woman. And it says, you know what? I promise to marry you, and I give myself completely to you. That's what an engagement ring is. Jesus slipped an engagement ring on your finger. That engagement ring is the Holy Spirit. One of these days, he's going to fulfill that promise. And we are going to be, we are, but we will be the bride of Christ. Okay? There will be a wedding. There will be a marriage supper. There will be a feast. And, and it, 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 in doing this, when he gave us the Holy Spirit, folks, he pledged his fidelity. He pledged his loyalty. He pledged that there was coming a day when I will return and when I will marry you. A lot of people miss this. But in, in John chapter 14, Jesus says this. He says, he says, you believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many dwelling places, many mansions. That's, that's the word we've learned. 
And then he says this. I go to the Father. And if I go to the Father, I will return because I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you to myself. See, it's a picture that's rich in the marriage thing. The, the bridegroom would come and, and he would pledge his love to his bride and they would become engaged or, or the word I'm trying to, to think of right here is they would become uh, betrothed. That's the word. They would become betrothed. They would become engaged. Then the, mar- the, the groom would leave. He would go home to his father's house. He'd build an addition onto his father's house. And when the addition was built and it was ready for his bride, he would return. They never knew exactly when he would get it finished. So the bride was always to be ready. She was always to be looking. Folks, it's the picture of what Jesus says he will do. And folks, that, that pledge, that ring this morning... And if you're a believer, you have is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives with us. And Jesus has pledged. He's provided for us. He's protecting us. He's, he's going to come personally. He's taking responsibility for us, folks. And that's what God sees when He looks at us. When God looks at us, He doesn't see somebody that's messed up or mixed up. He doesn't see a failure. He doesn't see a mess. He doesn't see a mistake. He he doesn't see a, a son or a daughter that's pitiful and disgraceful and weak. He doesn't see a sinner, folks. He sees a saint who has been drowned in his grace and in his peace. He sees a child of the Father who has been blessed with, with holiness and blameless. He, he's, in His love, He's chosen us. He's predestined us to be adopted as children, to become mature sons and daughters. And to ensure all of this, He's redeemed us with His blood. He's bought us out of slavery. And He hasn't just bought us and said, Hey, on your way, God bless you. Stay out of trouble. No, He's poured His Spirit in us. He's given us an inheritance with Jesus, an equal inheritance. Everything that God has is ours. Now, I'm not going to re-preach all this, but He's put a seal on us. He's marked us. Nothing can get in, nothing can get out. And He's given us a pledge. He's put a ring on our finger, folks. And, I'm, and, and that ring says, I will fulfill every promise I've made. Folks, that's what God sees when He looks at us this morning. Do, do you see that? Do, do, some of you do, but some of you are struggling. Do you see that? Because if you don't see it, or you can't see it, then you don't believe God, and that's sin. Okay, I'm not being critical or, or ugly. I'm just saying to disbelieve God because uh, you're not experiencing something is sin. You see, I believe God. I received that promise. And you know what? If I believe it, I'll experience it sooner or later. I'll just step into it with faith. Confess it. God, I've sinned. I I, I don't see myself as this. I see myself like Mama saw me or Daddy saw me or Uncle Bill saw me. I see myself like the kids in the fourth grade who made fun of me. That's all I ever see, God. I see myself like my spouse used to see me before they left. See, that's not how God sees you. Folks, when God sees you, He sees His child that He loves, whom He's done everything needed 
far. He sees Jesus, okay? He sees Jesus. Can you see that? Can you see that? If you'll just grasp what Jesus sees, and you'll just, man, begin to wipe the blurriness and the fog out of your own eyes, and begin to look really hard, you'll start to see that. And as you start to see that, you'll begin to act differently. You'll begin to live differently. And you'll stand firm on that battlefield. You know, the devil sees that. When he looks at you, he sees what God sees because it's reality. But you know what he tells you? You're worthless. You're scum. If you were a Christian, you wouldn't do that. Christians don't do that. Y'all ever heard any of that stuff? You're a failure. Look at so-and-so. You're a failure. You know why he lies to you? Because he knows who you are. And he knows if you ever grasp who you are, he will be ineffective in your life from that moment on. Folks, the time has come for us to be who God sees. That's it. The time has come for us to be the church that God sees. The church He sees is an overcoming, door-kicking-down, hell-threatening church, okay? Not a peaked passive, worried about what are they going to say, what are they going to do about this, are they going to stand in front of our building and march and hold up signs? If God's among us, I love what Paul says. What can man do to me? Okay. It's time we just stood up and became Jesus. If we'll just be Jesus, you know what we won't have to worry about? We won't have to worry about protesters. They want to meet Jesus. Lost people like Jesus. Okay? Because he's different than regular people. And it's time we stopped being regular people and became who we were supposed to be, and became who God sees. Folks, it's time for us to embrace what God saw before He created anything. It's time for us to be who He sees. Let's pray. Father, this morning. For more information on Eagles Wing Church, visit our website at www.eagleswingchurch.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Church. Thanks for listening and have a blessed week.